Welcome back to the Mike and Andrew Show. I'm Andrew Surick here again with Mike Meredith. Mike, we had a uh, crazy, crazy weekend uh, for sure. Lots to talk about. Uh, but uh, how are you doing this fine evening, man? Pretty good. Yeah, crazy weekend for sure. Yeah, let's get right into it. It is the divisional round of the playoffs for the NFL. We had four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. <clears throat> uh Let's start with the game. first game on Saturday. Ravens hosting the Texans. Ravens getting a huge win here, 34-10. to Now, look, I thought the Texans would at least keep this somewhat close. But, man, uh, when I tell you that the Ravens are the best team of football, I absolutely fucking mean it, man. They just – Lamar struggled in the first half, I'll admit. But that second half, man, he looked unstoppable. The defense, obviously, very, very dominant. The Texans could not do anything in this game. Um, and, uh, yeah, just very, very good. C.J. Stroud did not look good in this game. And, uh, honestly, it's not even really his fault. It's just this Ravens defense is just that next level. Um, just so good all the way around. I mean, this team is built different. Um, but uh, Lamar... Played a pretty solid game, both running and passing. Um, Two touchdowns on the ground for him. Also, two touchdowns in the air for him. So, he looked really good. Zay Flowers had a pretty decent day. I mean, uh, 41 yards on his four receptions. So, um, I I expected him to get a little bit more targets in this game just because it's the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, um, all around good game for Baltimore. Houston... I expected them to lose. I didn't expect them to lose this bad, but after after that performance from Baltimore, man, I don't think anyone's beating them. Yeah, Baltimore looks great, man. So it was close in the first half, and then Baltimore really showed out in the second half. They really came out strong. Lamar had a great game rushing, and the defense looks incredible. So they definitely showed what they're capable of, and – yeah, just manhandling the Texans like that in the second half. Just crazy to see. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, I, I thought the Texans, you know, after the first half, I was like, okay, we're going to have a pretty close game the rest of the way. And then Baltimore just said, uh, no. It's uh, very, very dominant uh, from the Ravens in that second half. And then the other game, uh, 49ers hosting the Packers. Niners win it. 24-21, Jordan Love throwing an interception to end the game. Uh, 49ers kind of got exposed this week. They ex- uh, The Packers exposed a lot of weaknesses in, in both the 49ers offense and defense. Uh, Rat Purdy, you know, he proved more. He's more of a fraud uh, again. Um, Debo, uh, you know, he, he's hurt. So, you know, he, he's, he, he checked out. You know, no, no fractured shoulder or anything um, like they suspected. So I expect him to to play uh, in this uh, play this weekend for sure. But uh, Jordan Love, man, he played a really good game, um, really all season. But it kind of fell apart for him because uh, he did throw those two picks, um, and obviously the one that uh, that sealed the Packers' fate and. The Packers had a good chance to win this game, too, and then 
the Niners just able to pull back uh, in the fourth quarter um, to get themselves ahead. And then, uh, yeah, Jordan Love throwing that pick, and it was game over from there. Yeah, the Packers actually looked like the better team in this game. San Francisco, you know, they did what they needed to do to get the win. McCaffrey had two TDs. Packers looked pretty solid and definitely need to see uh, what the Lions, you know, obviously can do against San Francisco because they definitely are beatable. They definitely look beatable. But, yeah, they uh, they showed out there with the, the pick at the end. Their defense looked pretty strong. Um you know, Warner and Greenlaw had a pretty solid game. Uh, 49ers, we'll see how they are next game as well because feels like Shanahan, you know, he's usually coaching up pretty good games in this game. was definitely one of his uh, weak points here. But, yeah, they still look pretty good besides that. You know, look beatable, but they still got talent. Like you said, Debo, I heard last I heard it was 50-50 whether he's going to play, but probably going to play. I think he's going to try anything he can. If if he legit can't play, he won't. But I think even if he's not 100%, he's still going to play. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, we'll see what happens during the week. I think they're going to just pump him full of fucking painkillers and put him out there, man. Because I, I, I honestly don't see him not playing in this game unless he physically cannot uh so yeah uh but yeah I, th- I think the Packers exposed some weak points in the 49ers offense and defense um but uh yeah just uh overall it was a good game to watch I mean it was close all the way through so uh yeah very good game uh Sunday we had two games the first one Detroit hosting the Buccaneers uh the Bucks were looking for revenge uh, from earlier the season where the Lions beat them 20-6, to but uh, no revenge was served. Lions win 31-23. to um, This was kind of a close game through the first half and really up until the fourth quarter. Then the Lions, you know, pulled out to a, a two-touchdown lead. And then the Bucks, uh, they get a touchdown, and they go for two, which I didn't understand that call, and they miss it. Um... I, I don't understand that call going for two there. I mean, you would have still been down by by uh, by six. But still, um, just a very questionable call for sure. Um, but that said, Lions came up big when it mattered most. Uh, Baker's having a pretty good game, but uh, throws a pick with, uh, with just under two minutes left. Derek Barnes, I mean, I don't know what Baker was looking at because Barnes had – Barnes was in front of the receiver, right in front of the receiver too, and 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 I, I don't know what Baker was looking at because I mean there there was an open man downfield and he just threw it right to a Lions defender in uh, in Derek Barnes. Um, so yeah, very weird play there. Uh, Jared Goff had an elite game. Jameer Gibbs had a really good game as well, and Amon Ross St. Brown man. I'm telling you, Matt, he is a top five receiver in the league. Yeah, this Lions team, man, they are crazy talented. And Tampa Bay, um, I was a little bit nervous because, you know, they really didn't have anything to lose in this game, and they were the, the underdog. But 
Lions showed out, man. They get that second playoff win and definitely uh, exceed expectations this season for sure. They, uh, they had a good game with Tampa. Yeah, Todd Bowles, man, I'm not really a biggest fan of him as a coach. Don't say that around Stephen A. Smith because you know, he's gonna have he's gonna take offense to that. But um, yeah, I just don't think he's a great coach, man. He was a like not a really good clock manager. They actually had a, ch- a chance to get the ball back with 30 seconds left to try and get another TD, and he just like uh, kind of gave up at that point. And like you said, he went for two when they could have went for two later. They were down eight, which. That really made the la- the nerves of the last drive not as much if you were a Lions fan because even if they would have got the TD and the two-point conversion, it would have just tied the game. So, yeah, Derek Barnes coming up big, his first pick. And, yeah, man, um, it was great. I, I, I'm going to defend Bulls here for that, for that call to just not call that timeout because here's the thing is he, he said he, if you look at it, from where the Lions were on the field and how much time was left, even if he calls that timeout, the Lions just run a play or two, and it and they're in the same boat. Because if the Lions get a first down, you know, the, the game's over at that point, right? Uh, it doesn't matter what what uh, what Bulls do does if he calls a timeout or not. Um, and, and the analytics really did agree with him um, because they. It, it was basically, look, Lions could have kicked the field goal there if they really, really wanted to, and that would have ended the game. Um, so, so I completely understand, uh, you know, his thought process on it. Just thinking, you wouldn't. Well, this game is over because, again, Lions were in pretty decent, uh, you know, Tampa Bay territory at that point, um, and and you know, he calls that timeout. Lions take a couple knees, kick a field goal. Now they're up, you know, 11 points. It still doesn't matter. Uh, the Lions would would win the game. So, because um, there just wouldn't be enough time for the Buccaneers to get down the field uh, twice, um, essentially. So, uh, but a good game for the Lions, of course. Um, well exceeding expectations. I mean, the expectation was win the division, win the, win the home win your first home playoff game. Anything after that is a bonus. So uh to, this weekend's win was definitely a bonus uh for the Lions. Um and uh playing obviously uh in the NFC Championship game this weekend again, it's a bonus. Uh and then lastly, Bills Chiefs uh Chiefs winning 27-24. The Bills choked Yet again, they they went away from what was working because the Chiefs could not stop the run, and the Bills kept trying to throw it. And you know, Josh Allen is not that dude. I'm telling you, he he's when the chips are down, he cannot win in the playoffs. It it, it it's it's insane. I mean, he's three and zero against the Chiefs in the regular season, zero and three in the in the in the postseason. Uh, just not good when the chips are down for it all. The Bills choked yet again. Uh, Bass could have tied up the game, but I don't think that would have mattered anyways. I, I think that still would have left Mahomes with like two minutes on the clock, um, but uh, which is which is way too much time because obviously we know what happens when you leave him even 12 seconds on the clock. 
Um, but that said, um, both these teams played really well. I just don't think I, – I think the Bills should could have done a lot of things differently, like run the ball a lot more because they were very dominant on the ground against this Kansas City defense. Um, but uh, overall, very good game. Obviously, Mahomes played great. Kelsey had an incredible game, five receptions, two touchdowns, 75 yards, just – Looking and looking really good. Pacheco on the ground for Kansas City looked good, but man, I, I just I, I question a lot of the Bills' play calling uh, just because of the fact that, like I said, they were very good on the ground against the Chiefs, um, and just in the air they were not. And uh, Josh Allen kind of proved that. Um, and then the defense also sold for the Bills as well. There, there was a lot of. You know, broken tackles by Kansas City, second effort, you know, that that got them extra five, six yards on plays. So, uh, really, it was just a mess for the Bills. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully the Ravens could take care of business because I'm fucking tired of seeing the Chiefs win, man. Yeah, same, man. I, I can't believe I thought this was Buffalo's year. Not because I really believed in Buffalo, but Kansas City was, you know, they didn't look like the same Kansas City and in Buffalo this time, you know, they said this was Mahomes. I think it was like Mahomes' first ever road game, road playoff game ever. Uh, so finally had a chance here. They spent all week getting that stadium ready and they just, they choked, man. They choked. They had their opportunities. All these people sending death threats and stuff to Tyler Bass, bro, like, Bro, y'all could have scored a TD on two different, three different drives, actually. Uh, y'all went for a fake punt with DeMar Hamlin, like they were going to just let him go like a Make-A-Wish kid and, like, fucking get to the end zone. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck what kind of play that was, man. Um, yeah. That was a horrible play call. Then you get the ball um, back after McCall Hardman fumbles at the one. Do nothing with that, and then on the last drive, you have a chance to score TD, and that's when Bass missed the field goal. But again, you reverted to Josh Allen save us, and yeah, he can't just keep relying on Josh Allen for everything. And you see what happens, man. They they choke again. It's a shame, man, because I think this team's window's closed now. I thought this was going to be a different uh, result here with the Chiefs. You know, somewhat breaking down. Like, like I said, if this was the year to beat the Chiefs, and you still can't do it, yeah, it's time to blow it up, man. Yeah, I don't know what Sean McDermott was thinking. Like during ninety percent of this game, I mean, just terrible play calling throughout the game. You mentioned, you know, the two drives where they had chances to score touchdowns and they didn't, uh, and, and the fumble on the one yard line, and you still do nothing with that. I mean, how do you fuck up that bad as a play caller? You know, I, 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 I don't get it. I, I really don't. Um, and this kind of takes me back, you know, I, man, this was a few weeks ago where we talked about it, where we where I, you know, kind of gave you a list of coaches that might be gone. And I feel like McDermott might be gone, man. I mean, I really do, especially after, especially after uh, that performance this weekend, man. I mean, that was just awful. It's so um, weird. I, I haven't heard anyone really talk about it today compared to like McCarthy or uh, Sirianni. 
But I agree. I think he should be. I think it should be man. He's. I I like to see him get an offensive minded coach for Josh Allen uh, in that offense. I know McDermott's more of a defensive minded coach, and you know most of the playoff teams have offensive coaches. So I I think that that would uh, that'd be good for him, man. Yeah, I think it would benefit him, but I just at, at this point you just blow up the Bills team because I mean. The, the defense has kept, keeps getting worse. The offense has not improved at all. In fact, I think it's gotten worse as well. But that defense, really, I mean, they're one of the worst tackling defenses in the league. Uh, just this year alone, they were one of the worst tackling defenses in the league. Just could not tackle anyone. And we, we saw it. I mean, they had a chance to, to stop the Chiefs. They had time still to, to try and kick another field goal or score a touchdown or something, and, you know, they, you know, let Pacheco go from a, you know, a two- or three-yard gain to a nine-yard gain. I mean, it was – tackling was abysmal for, for this Bills defense, really all season, but in this game especially. And, and you know, like I said, Sean McDermott, man, I don't know what the hell he's thinking calling some of the plays that he calls and – but he just depends on Josh Allen too much, who's just not that guy, plain and simple. Um, so, yeah, that's going to wrap up your NFL Divisional Review. We got, obviously, the uh, NFC and AFC title games this weekend, and we will preview those um, on Thursday's episode. But for now, we're going to talk a little bit more about our playoff teams um so i i got a, i got a question for you that I, that I saw someone pose uh or you know kind of just have a debate around um are you taking the ravens or are you taking the field to win it all man so objectively here like not trying to be biased or anything just trying to look at it an objective point of view, I'm taking the Ravens. I think that they're the best team left here. Um, I think they can handle Kansas City, but you know it's going to be tough because Kansas City now has proven that they can can go far. I think that they've shown they they're more dominant than the Niners and then the Lions, of course, as well. But of course, we're going to be rooting for the Lions over here. But I'm going to take the Ravens. So when I saw this question. Um, I, I, I thought really, really hard about this, right? Um, I, I thought about how this would be if, like, this was the regular season and the Ravens had to play all three of these teams all in a row, right? Uh, at, at their, like, peak performance of, you know, uh, during the season. I, I feel like the Ravens would lose at least one of those games between playing the Chiefs, then, say, the Lions and the Niners, right? They had to play those three teams all in a row during the season. I I feel like Baltimore would lose one of those games uh, just because of how, you know, tough all these teams are in different aspects of the game, right? That said, the Ravens only has to play have to play two of these teams and they get to be very comfortable at home, you know, with the with the with the Chiefs who are not that good and uh yeah, and then I honestly I'll get into this more in detail on, on, on Thursday's episode. I don't think the Lions stand a chance 
this week unless Debo is out. That's the only way I see the Lions having a chance. But um, I'll you know damn well I'll be rooting for them. That said, I just I just don't see it. I think the Niners are the only team that actually have a chance to beat Baltimore out of out of the rest of the field here. I just don't see any way Baltimore gets beaten this year, the rest of this year. I mean, unless something drastic happens, like Lamar getting injured, there, I don't see any any chance in hell anyone. So I'm gonna I would take the Ravens over the field for sure. Um, that said, though, man, let, let's just take a look at what we have left here. I mean, we have both one seeds and both three seeds uh, left. Um, obviously, uh, the Lions are kind of like you know new to this compared to everyone else. I mean, the, the Niners have been here a billion times, uh, especially over the last few years. The Ravens haven't gotten this far with Lamar, I don't think, anyways. Um. If I remember correctly, has Lamar ever made it to a AFC title game? No. Okay. So he, I'm pretty sure he's only won one playoff game, and that was in the wild card round. Gotcha. I don't think he's ever been to the AFC championship. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And obviously, Mahomes, he he's been you know to the AFC championship. He's never not been to the right. AFC yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, I I, I feel like. You know, the, the Lions probably don't have the best chance. But that said, I think the Lions are playing with some house money this weekend because I don't think really anyone expected them to get this far. And they have nothing to lose. So they're going to they're gonna just ball out this weekend, I feel. Um, Chiefs, obviously, Mahomes wants to keep his, you know, streak alive. But uh, – I just don't see any way that the, that the Ravens lose this game. I really don't, man. But uh, yeah, I it's gonna be an interesting, uh, you know, championship weekend for sure. Um, lots of things to talk about, and we'll talk about a lot of it more on Thursday's episode. Like I said, because there is a lot of storylines for one, and then just also. Uh, just what we want to talk about in detail about these games. But uh, we're going to move on from that, Mike. I know you got some stuff you want to talk about, so let's get right into that. Yes, sir. So it was a big night in the NBA, and I, I definitely uh, let you guys know that we're going to be covering more NBA and NHL as those seasons are in full swing right now. They're about like midway point for both those seasons, and uh, the NBA was just crazy last night. There was two really big games, uh, historic games, to be honest with you. So, first off, we're going to be talking about Joel Embiid. He had 70 points last night against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, against Wemby, he just uh, went crazy. So, he is the only player ever in a game, including, like, Wilt's time in, like, the 60s to ever put up 70, 15 rebounds and 5 assists in a game. And, yeah, man, uh, Embiid is just looking insane. So his odds for MVP jumped up to even. So now he is a uh, uh, even betting odd right now to win the MVP midway through this season. Um, a lot of people still have been concerned because – they made a new rule this year for the NBA where you have to play a certain amount of games to be eligible for MVP and for like um, I think it's like all NBA for uh, all NBA teams. So 
Um, I think it's like 65 games of the 82, and he's missed, uh, I believe it's like eight or nine games so far. So he's still got a little bit of room. As long as he doesn't get any major injuries, he should be all right because his averages right now are going crazy. Uh, 36 points per game, 11.6 rebounds, six assists, and two blocks. Like Those are insane numbers, man. Uh, even some of the best centers and scorers, man, aren't putting up numbers like that. He is doing something that's insane. He's going for back-to-back MVPs. Like I said, 70-point game, man. I guess you don't see that too often. Even though in the NBA, man, over the last year or so, we've had three uh, 70-point games, but before that, we only seen, I believe it was six 70-point games since, like, 1970. So, the NBA is definitely, um, we always harp on it that there's really no defense anymore, which is definitely true, but the offense is just crazy now, how skilled some of these players are becoming at uh, getting these uh, shots in, man, and getting their points, because... I just mentioned Joel Embiid had 70, but also Carl Anthony Towns, another center. He had 62 last night. He also had 10 made threes. Uh, What a historic night for him because I think a lot of people expect Joel Embiid. I mean, he's averaging damn near almost 40, so it's like it's not too shocking when he kind of has a big performance. But Cat, he still is uh, a great scorer and really dynamic, but I think that's even more shocking, man. I would not expect Carl Towns to go for 62. He, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was the Timberwolves franchise record. I could be wrong on that, but I think it's the Timberwolves franchise record. I don't think Garnett ever got that high with the Timberwolves in a game. And yeah, he was just, again, feeling, feeling it, man. But the difference, though, is uh, the Timberwolves ended up lo- losing that game, so that is uh, that's definitely tough. So he he actually scored fifty eight of his sixty two in the first three quarters, and then only scored four points in the fourth quarter. So definitely slowed down towards the end, but still a historic game that's going to go down in the, the history books. So yeah, uh, do you have any thoughts here on these performances? Yeah, so I I saw something about this. It was like, uh, like the first time in like over thirty years, something like that, where we had two players hit over sixty points in a game, um, in in the in the same night. Obviously, different games, but uh, uh, yeah, it was so, something crazy like that. Um, that that said, man, uh, who who's playing defense anymore? Like, come on now. This is, this is a little ridiculous at this point, man. I mean, I, I miss the days of seeing like, we're, we're we're getting into triple digits was like considered really high scoring. And now it's just like, uh, you know, now it's just normal. It's, it's, it's just crazy how, how much the game has changed over just the last like three or four years. Really? It's so crazy because I saw a post from like a week ago and it was talking about the 2010 All-Star game and there was a there were games in the NBA that were being played that were getting as many points scored as that entire All-Star game. I think the All-Star game it was like 140 to 130 and 
even the Pistons game recently was a 141 to 135. So, like, teams are just putting up an insane amount of points. And, like I said, to just have an all-star game, a game where there's literally no defense being played with the same score as a regular NBA game, it's crazy to see uh, just how much things have changed. And also, for people who didn't know, this was uh, January 22nd. Of course, the game's yesterday. That was the anniversary of Kobe Bryant dropping 81 points, if anyone knows that historic game. So, Embiid dropping 70 on that anniversary. Uh, crazy to see, man. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. I heard that this morning as well, that it was, uh, yeah, the anniversary of, uh, of Kobe and that uh, incredible uh, performance that he had uh, putting up 80 points. I mean... Even even in today's you know terrible defense league, you, you don't see guys doing that anymore. Which is, you know, you, you would expect that now with, with the way these games are going. But that is such a difficult number to get to in basketball, even with you know no one knowing how to play defense anymore. Yeah, so true, man. It's just just insane. Uh, and and you know. Nobody plays defense. And that's for me, like one of the biggest turnoffs for me for basketball is like I'd rather watch college basketball because those guys are actually playing defense. But the game, the game is completely different too between college and and uh, and the pros for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so that wraps that up. Uh, we're gonna shift over to the MLB. We had the uh, the Hall of Fame, but uh, Mike, I'll let you lead this one off for us as well. Yeah, something that I had not even known was really going on. The 2024 Baseball Hall of Fame here. Um, So, of course, here the Hall of Fame has a lot of controversy. And, um, you know, with all the people, you know, it's easily the hardest Hall of Fame to get into of any of the four major sports here. And, you know, just trying to differentiate between, you know, the really good players and the ones who are Hall of Fame worthy versus, and then you also have the steroid guys who um, have not gotten in. But today here we had three players get into the Hall of Fame. We had Adrian Beltre, who many of you know, um, if you watch uh, baseball back in the, 2000s here, of course, these are when most of these guys played. Um, Adrian Beltre led the way with 95% of the vote. And um, great player, 3,000 hits for the Rangers. He played for the Rangers, the Dodgers, uh, the Red Sox, the Mariners. But I think most people are going to remember him either on uh, Texas here, of course, or uh, Dodgers. Then you have... Todd Helton, who finally got in, he was so close, so close last year. He missed it just barely. Uh, he gets in with seventy nine point seven percent of the vote. He needs seventy five percent of the vote to get in, and he gets in. And finally, here the third player, someone who the Tigers fans will know very well, as he haunted us for many years, and that's Joe Maurer, uh, the Minnesota Twins catcher. Here, he barely squeaks by. He gets six. 76.1% of the vote. As I said, he needs 75% of the vote. And Billy Wagner, uh, 
famous closer here. He missed it by five votes. He had 73.8%. Uh, some other names that were close that just missed. Um, former Tiger, uh, Gary Sheffield, was uh, 64%. Andrew Jones uh, was like around 60 Carlos Beltran, 57. Then you have the steroid guys like Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez. Again, if Bonds and uh, Clemens didn't get in, I don't see them getting in unless uh, Bonds and Clemens get in. Absolutely not, no. Not too shocked that they didn't get in. Um, Then the rest of them, you know, just kind of around that 20 or so percentile. And then also if you get get less than 5% of the votes, you get dropped off the ballot. So... Uh, players, some notable players, they got uh, less than 5%. So Jose Bautista, of course, known for his uh, crazy home run totals and his uh, cocky play here. he uh, He's definitely known, I feel like, in the baseball world. Another Tiger here, Victor Martinez, sadly, is not going to be on the ballot next year. He only got 1% of the vote. Uh, Bartolo Colon, big sexy here. <laughs> um, five votes off the ballot. Matt Holiday, um, his son Jackson Holiday is going to be a crazy player to come here in these um, in the future. Here, he's one of the top prospects off the ballot. Adrian Gonzalez uh, loved him; he was a great first baseman, but just didn't have enough support here. Same with uh, Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, and James Fields here, all off the ballot for next uh, voting period. Um, glad to see uh, David Wright and Tory Hunter squeak, squeaked by and they got enough votes to stay on. Sadly, I don't think they're going to be in the Hall of Fame, but two players who I really liked. But yeah, congratulations to Beltre, Helton, and Maurer, man. Three amazing players who definitely were fun to watch in the 2000s, uh, early 2010s as well when they were playing. Great players, man, that definitely uh in my opinion deserved to be in they were all clean none of them were really alleged in the steroid use so uh none of them have that around their names and like i said just dominant around that uh 2000s era when baseball was again coming off the, the steroid users you know from like the 90s and even the 2000s had some still going on but these uh these three players here and also shout out Jim Leland, our Tigers manager. He's also getting elected as well. That was kind of announced earlier uh this year, so he'll be getting in as well. But uh do you have any more thoughts on this voting here? Um I, I feel like Gary Sheffield got screwed yet again. Uh I think he has a good chance yeah. to get in, well, in the future. He, this was his last year on the ballot. Oh, dang. Yeah. You can always get into from the Veterans Committee, um, which is what a lot of players who a lot of people thought were deserving that didn't get in got in through that. So um, I definitely feel like Gary Sheffield will get in. He has over 500 home runs, um, tons of hits as well. Uh, Just has a lot of great counting stats that really helps his case. So um, I think eventually he will get in, though. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I forgot about the the veterans committee. You know, you know the the committee with the smart people on it because I feel like the this committee's just full of bunch of you know stupid people. But uh, that's honest. That's honestly, um, you know how it is for a lot of Hall of Fames. I feel like 
uh, shout out Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, I I do feel like Sheffield kind of got screwed. Uh, he's been screwed really all ten years. He's been on the ballot. Just um, it, it's insane to me that someone that good, you know, doesn't get inducted to the Hall of Fame. You know, on the, within the first four years of being on that ballot, but. Uh, uh, outside of that, yeah, I mean, Joe Maurer, um, you know, giving us nightmares. I remember just, like, every time playing the Tigers, just, like, every time I saw him step to the I was like, please just, just strike him out. Please, dear God, do something. But, um, yeah, no, uh, I, I like this year's uh, class overall. Um, obviously, uh, Jim Leland getting announced, I think, or, back in December, like mid-December. Um, that was, uh, that was obviously nice to see as, as a, you know, a Detroit fan, uh, cause he was here for so long. Um, a lot of success here, of course. Um, but yeah, overall just, a, I, I like this class a lot and, um, yeah, that's gonna do it for that. So, uh, short episode here, guys, of course, um, Thursday, we're going to talk all, uh, NFL, the, uh, the, you know, it's the, uh, the AFC and NFC, uh, title games. Um, we're going to probably bring up some, some more, uh, NHL and NBA stuff. Uh, all-star break is coming up for the NHL. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that either Thursday or on Tuesday, just depending on how things shake out. Uh, NBA is obviously in full swing too. There was, um, there's there's some minor trades going on in the MLB. I know the Tigers were involved in one today, um, but uh, yeah. Outside of that, uh, rate, review, subscribe, help us out. Let us know what more you want to see. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys on Thursday.